Retro Rebel is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow 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 Welcome, as your mouth is full. How's it going? Good. Good. If you couldn't understand my uh, jabbering, that was uh, Amanda. Um, so, how are things? It's, uh, it's we took a, a week off. Yeah, it's a me. Yeah, no, things are good. Things are good. Um, I, I did I did play a game. I even documented it on Twitch so people know that I'm not lying, um, which I've been trying Poor to music. do lately. You know, people can experience the first 25 minutes of a game that I play. You know, that's sort of my style. And then if I find something I really like that I want to play more of, then I will do. Um, I will. Nice. Yeah, although I do feel like a crazy person talking to myself in my house (laughs) on a headset. So, you know, come and watch so I don't feel so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not like I'm not talking to anybody. It's... You're talking to people in the future. That's how you should approach it. Yeah, future people. Well, future people got to see me play Mortal Kombat X this week on Twitch. It is on Game Pass, and so therefore it is free as part of my general Game Pass membership. Um, it's a it's a pretty looking game. I'll give them that. It's uh, very nostalgic. The cutscenes really sort of take me back, you know, to to the movie and to the original games and things like that. However, you know, I was playing the story, and I feel like it really went from, like, 0 to 100 in, like, three three matches. So, like, the first match, super easy. Second match, like, medium difficulty. Third match, impossible. I tried it twice, and at that point, I was like, well, I've been playing this for 25 minutes, so that's, like, enough of that, you know. But yep. I just felt like it really escalated, and there wasn't any tutorial when you jump right into the story. So I didn't know how to use, like, the environmental elements. I didn't understand... Uh, how to use like any of the energy bars that seem to be building themselves up um, and so I, I just felt like you know I'm sure I could have pushed a button and looked at the moves I know that's a possibility so please don't comment that I'm not an idiot I just for a first impression for just jumping in I tried to not do that sort of thing so that I can get an impression of what it would actually be like when I play because I don't do that yeah I don't look at the I don't look at the instructions yet <laughs> so <laughs> Old habits die hard. I know, it's a shame, shame. But, you know, if you like Mortal Kombat, if you want, you know, some pretty good, gruesome graphics, then I think it's worth playing, especially if you have Game Pass. Uh, but maybe I should have just jumped into, like, some matches and stuff and not done the story because I think I just would have enjoyed just fighting regular people because the AI did seem to get really good really quick. But then again, you never know. Maybe I would have sucked against regular people. So, yeah, <laughs> six of <laughs> one, half a dozen of the other, I guess. Right. No, I, I you know, I, I actually played funny. I played Street Fighter five on PlayStation uh, on PlayStation. Now they had that was one of the games you could download. 
and I found the exact same issue, basically that. So I don't have any desire to play online. One of the one of the obstacles to uh, beginning the entire game and the and just the UI in general, and it frustrated the ever-loving crap out of me, was the fact that I had to go through five or six menus and selection screens to tell the game that I don't care about going online. I don't care about matchmaking. I don't care. And it was, it was no less than four or five in a row oh, wow. where it was like talking about ranked games and everything else. And I was like, no, no, no. I just, I just, I just want to play. I just want to play. And so I, once I finally got through all of those and I could actually just do an exhibition, you know, like old school where you turn on the game and then you just play the computer. It's all I wanted to do because I know I'm terrible. And I have no desire to, <laughs> to waste someone else's time uh, as I enter a match and just get my head kicked in. So, um, so I, you know, I played the first match. the The frustrating part also is uh, with Street Fighter Street Fighter Five. I guess the the version that you get on on PlayStation now, you can only play as Ken and and Ryu. That's it. You can't play as anybody else. That's really bad. Why would they do it's that? It's terrible. Well, so that you can pay to unlock, or I think you can unlock the other ones as you play through the storyline, but you can't really, you can't play with any of the other characters, and so you can only play with those two. And uh, so the first match, I it was as if, I really felt like I was playing uh, like my brother, and my brother left his controller on the floor and went to the bathroom, and then I just beat him. That's how it felt. You know, he just his controller right. was not, or I unplugged it, and he couldn't do anything. That's how the computer was had played the first match. Second match, I fought, um, and people who have played the game will know it's in Final Fantasy or uh, Street Fighter Five. It's the girl that has the whip. And mm. let me tell you, my wife came in while like after she had beaten me, and it's just this uh, busty anime girl with a whip. Um, that's, and she's like, what game are you playing? Uh, <laughs> Busty Anime <laughs> Girls 5. <laughs> well, um, see what had happened was, uh, so anyway, I, you know, I got, I got beat and I think I won the second match, but just like, I think, I think all, uh, fighting games do this. Uh, the, the difficulty ramps up the first round. And if you don't meet it, it drops back down in the second round. And then in the third round, it goes back up. So it's like, I feel like it's a damn slot machine or a gambling, a gambling mechanic. It's like, oh, it was a little too hard. Well, let's let him get a little success. Oh, and then we're going to kick his teeth in again. See, that's what Which, I don't get. Like, it should just be like a standard difficulty. Like, surely. Right. Because if you're better than I, the I guarantee standard, it's not. You know? Yeah. No, I guarantee it's not, though. I, I almost, I would be willing to bet money on the fact that it that the difficulty changes from round to round based on uh, the player and so you know you lose the first round you lose it bad i don't know that there's any kind of i mean i i'll be honest i've never been that good at fighting games of course especially not mortal kombat however playing real humans i've had like more than 30 game win streak in a row so i know that i'm capable of at least button mashing to success so it was weird to be so quickly smashed up by the computer. It was like it was like they got into some sort of like 
unbreakable combo. Even though that wasn't exactly what it is, it's just like the timing and the moves that I was responding to was somehow the exact opposite of what I should have been doing (laughs) the whole time. Do you know? Right. Like, I barely got any hits in and stuff. And I'm just like, why is this so hard all of a sudden? Plus, you didn't have a choice of what character you started out the story mode with once you picked a faction. And I didn't really know that. So I had to play as Johnny Cage. And, like, I don't like him. I don't like his style. I don't like the way that he fights. I wouldn't have picked him. So having, like, never really had an affinity for that character to start with. Do you know what I mean? Like, I usually play as Sonya or Katana. So without playing as those two, I'm like, okay, so I suck. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, (laughs) it was not the best. That's all I'm going to say. It was not the best. (laughs) Well, fun fact. Did you know that Johnny Cage is based off of uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah, because he does does the splits in the opening cutscene. And I'm like, it just reminded me of that clip. Like, I could do the splits real good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he can. And it is. Um yeah, I don't know what it is about. I I can just tell you it was it was a huge turnoff uh, for the game for me to even want to play any further. Once I found out, not only could I not play with any of the characters, but it just seemed like uh, it was set up for the microtransaction model to where I can buy new characters, I can buy all the other characters or or some characters even. Um, or if Do you I, know if, if it's I buy like that for version. everybody? I don't know. I, I know that it is that way for PlayStation Now. So if you've never played it before and you boot it up and you want to uh, you want to start the campaign, if you start the campaign co- against the computer, you can only play with Ken and Ryu. So, um, and and they're essentially the same character, just not re-skin. even a female character as well. Like that Mm-mm. seems a bit wrong, if I'm honest. The two basic characters. Yeah, it, it, well, I think it is for all of those reasons. I mean, why can't I just play with whoever I want to? I, and I'm sure there were other modes that maybe I could go in and maybe try the characters, but there may not be. Like, there wasn't a lot of options with the with the bare-bones version I got on PlayStation Now. And it's just another reason why I, I like PlayStation, and I've been playing games on PlayStation a lot more lately than my Xbox, mostly because my son's playing it, but because also the games I've wanted to play or on PlayStation, but their streaming service and the game service is far, it is inferior to, to Xboxes. The, the games that I have offered, uh, it made me so mad. I wanted to talk about it last week, but we didn't have a show, but the only game that I wanted to play between now and cyberpunk was control. And it was pulled from PlayStation now, right when I had downloaded it and booted it up to play, it was already oh, pulled come on. for this month. So it's like, well, shit, there's no reason for me to, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I mean, I, so, you know, Hollow Knight, I still have been playing. Um, I downloaded Greedfall. I want to try it out. Um, I can't tell if it's an MMO. It doesn't look like an MMO. It doesn't, I don't think it ha- it's advertised as an MMO, but basically you can, I think you would like it. It's, I don't think you can be thrown in the brig and there's pirate elements in it. Excellent. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a quick just... You know, it's funny. Whenever I think about Sea of Thieves, I, like, have a visceral memory of that. Like, <laughs> like it actually <laughs> happened to me and not my little character. It is an action role-playing game. It's just such a funny story. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, so, uh, you... It's an action role-playing game. Uh... 
Diplomacy and stealth are involved. That's nice. It's gotten pretty good reviews. Um, so the setting is an island paradise has been discovered by colonial forces from several distri- distinct nations from fictional lands, but with magic and monsters. Players assume the role of De Sarde, a neutral human who recently arrived at the island, able to ally with other natives who inhabit the land or any of the foreign nations competing to conquer and colonize the new land, while also trying to find a cure to a mysterious illness that plagues De Sarde and their family. So, anyway, so sounds you, like they sort the of cover. threw the kitchen sink into that story, though, if you ask me. Well, it is, but it's kind of, in a way, I would agree because you you kind of have this almost like. Um, you know the 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 look of Fable, maybe Fable Two. It was Fable Two or Three. Uh, you've got the colonial sailing or sailor uh, hat, and and like this the the sailing boots and the swashbuckling at, outfit with the sword. You can you can have all of that, but then you also have <laughs> magic and monsters. So you know it's everything. It's Assassin's Creed black flag with uh with monsters and the witcher maybe maybe the, yeah. maybe the worst plus like i don't know great. like so a, we'll a plague tale or something do you know what i mean like what's the sickness right. bit well yeah well it is the bubonic plague i think was supposed to be what that was about um but and, and which is a game that i have downloaded now onto my xbox for uh from game pass I just hadn't played it yet. So all the games that I really want to play now are on Game Pass, <laughs> not on PlayStation. So, um, so I guess Hot we'll take. see. Uh, it, what, it, what I think is going to happen now is I'm going to finally get a chance to finish uh, Jedi uh, Fallen Order. And, uh, you still haven't finished a, which, that? You finished all of Ghost of Tsushima before that. And oh, uh, well, Last of Us. That's true. I just, uh, well, it's because it's on the Xbox, and like I said, it's that's that's. Uh, I've mm. almost relegated that to my son's room exclusively, and I don't even play it. So, which is, it's okay. Uh, and I'm still actually uh, working on getting my platinum trophy for uh, Ghost of Tsushima. So we'll see. I, I I plug away at it, knocking, checking off things a little bit every night. So, but that's that's what I've been playing. Well, that brings us to the news. You have any uh, news of note? I do have news. I have precisely three news. Three news. Yeah. Mhm. Three news. So shall I go first then? You go first. Yeah, I think I've got one. I may have uh, may have another. I'm I'm working on the other. We'll see. Okay. Well, I guess the most obvious news is the release of the price of the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S. So the X is the premium console. It'll be $499 US, and the S is the digital-only version, uh, a less premium model, and it'll be $299 US. Um, I had a pretty close look at the specs, And my personal recommendation is for people to spend a bit more and go for the full stack X model. And that's because the S is only upscaled 4K. It's not native 4K. So it's barely any powerful, if not 
pow- more powerful at all than the Xbox One X, which was the most premium version of the Xbox One. I think their specs are really, really simu- similar. So right. I don't think that that's really going to future-proof you or allow you to take like good next-gen capabilities. I think you should just go buy the $499 um, dollar version and get the the maximum specs available in this generation because the di- not only is the other one digital only which you know we'll talk about later but it also isn't even native 4k which is where everything is going I mean it's it's getting harder for you to get a TV that isn't 4k now um, so, so right. I think that it's worth it to spend a couple extra bucks and get the premium model it isn't that it isn't that much more expensive where it's not worth it for the power that you're going to get out of it because the secondary model is so much weaker right right and that's the digital only version right yeah that's the xbox series s for 299 and i have to say this naming convention is really stupid and i think a lot of consumers are going to be super confused i get it confused and i like read about this sort of stuff every day so i think they should have called it something like xbox series pro and xbox series Lite. that would have made it really obvious like what's going on but these stupid letters i mean it's the stupidest thing i've ever heard of they've got to stop this What's the difference between the Series S and whatever the Series S is now? Like, isn't there a digital version only of the Xbox yeah, One? Yeah, so there isn't much difference. There's apparently slightly more processing power, and it's way, 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 way smaller. Apparently. Okay. But, like, well. I don't really think that it's worth it, because you're not really getting the full next gen. Do you know? Right. However, that being said, (laughs) the Xbox Game Pass has just officially blown PlayStation Now out of the water, in my opinion. And I don't think they'll catch up to this. So um, yesterday, which is September 15th, the uh, Game Pass Ultimate uh, unlocked Project X Cloud streaming. So everybody with an Android got the ability to stream 100 titles on their mobile phones and PCs and all sorts. Um, so now it's a full on streaming service. You know, no downloads, stream from the cloud, yada, yada, yada. This is fire. I haven't tried it out yet. I'm going to try it out. Uh, I've got quite a long train journey to take on the weekend. So I figured, oh, it'll be great to see how this performs. Um, like, you know, in intermittent connections when I'm not connected to Wi-Fi and stuff like that. I mean, it might use up my whole data plan in five minutes, so I'll keep you posted. Um, (laughs) But I I figured I would check and see how it it would work. Um, And then EA uh, Play Pass announced that it's going to let some of its titles come into Game Pass in November, which means that I can get back into these Sims and complete my destruction of the uh, having triplets achievement, which I've been working on for years now. <laughs> Every time they give me a free one. Look, you know, I could have bought the Sims years ago. I could have. But it's just the cost of it plus the cost of expansions. It's just not something I wanted to fork out money for because I like the game when it's free. But I don't really think about it when it's not. So it's not something I have to spend money on. But if they're going to give it to me. And with the new Star Wars expansion, the Force is going to be with me. Let me tell you right now. (laughs) Nope. I would say it's lame if I didn't think it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so 
I can't disagree with any of that in terms of the the difference and actually the superiority of of the Xbox Game Pass service and that X Cloud. It's it's just they offer better games. If I had to make a decision right now based on what is going to be offered when the Xbox comes out and when the PlayStation comes out, it would be a no brainer hands down. It would be Xbox for me. Um, if I could only pick one, which at least initially I'm only going to be able to pick one. So I'll, I'll ultimately probably have both, but that just, it just makes more sense. It's it, uh, there's more bang for your buck and the price point, you know, you have options right now. They came out and they beat PlayStation to the punch. Um, and I think that that's, I don't think that's helping Sony right now. I think, I don't know what Sony's doing. I know, you know, later today, and that was part of uh, the news I was going to talk about, is later today, Sony is actually um, having their uh, PlayStation showcase, I guess it is. And so by the time you have you hear this, this will already have happened. But at the time of recording, later today, there's supposed to be a PlayStation uh, showcase. And I'm assuming they're going to announce the price point. They're going to announce any of the other perks and... And stuff. I know that they probably waited. I can only guess uh, from a business perspective, and I, that is not my forte, but a business perspective, you would have to have only waited for Xbox so that you could drop whatever news you wanted to in response to what Xbox was going to oh, do. Oh, yeah. Like you, I think their only chance know. is to be cheaper. That's their only right. chance now, like, honestly, because when you think about the value that Game Pass provides, and I've said this before... Game Pass right. is the most valuable thing that Microsoft actually has, and they are negotiating some absolutely sick contracts. The fact that PlayStation right. now does not have EA games inclusive as standard means that they they got pipped at the post by Microsoft. Whatever Microsoft right. offered them was better, and they secured that. And I think that's going to be the decider. Honestly, I think Game Pass is the deciding factor. Yeah, and that that could <laughs> they could be dead in the water. I mean, that's. I've seen payment plans for the Xbox Series X that include Game Pass Ultimate and the pre-order plan, I think it was £29 a month or dollars a month, but it included Game Pass Ultimate and the price of the console. So you basically bought the console in installments and also bought Game Pass. Like if you you can't tell me that's not affordable for people. Like right. 30 bucks a month, you can't spend that to get the brand new console and I think it was for 2 years. So that's like actually not super that long if you didn't have a chunk of money up front. Like, that lets you split the payments down. Like, you know, you are going to end up paying more. Let me just tell you right now, you will. Because that's how that sort of stuff works. However, I think there are a lot of people that in this economy don't have that chunk of money up front. Microsoft's aggressively promoting that payment plan, which also includes Game Pass, which is a superior product. I think that this year Microsoft is going to win. I think last last generation they didn't. I think this one is theirs. Yeah. No, you're probably right. This, and and it hadn't even started yet. That's the amazing thing to me, you know, that this hasn't even started yet, and it'll bleed right into you know kind of what we wanted to talk about for our, our main topic. But, um, I I had one other. Uh, I have one other yeah. one as well. 
Okay, well, you go ahead. You go ahead, and I, I'm, I'm going to flesh this next one out. <laughs> okay, well, um, so this one's more just amusing. So uh, Ubisoft's game Gods and Monsters has now had its name changed to something completely unmemorable. There's literally, I didn't even put it in the write-up because it's so unmemorable and stupid. And the reason why they had to change it, and I don't think this should be a surprise to anyone, is that Monster Energy Drink slapped them for uh, violating their trademark. Um, and the the... the the letter stated something like people that might confuse it with the monster energy drink, which I don't think that they will, let's be honest. But that's how trademarks work, people. Like, they should not have put the word monster on its own because that's very much a monster energy drink thing. They should have known that they were going to get smacked by that because the apostrophe S right. isn't enough to protect you in court. Um, so anyway, now that game has actually had its name changed. And I just think that's so funny. Like, who up in legal wasn't like, hey, guys, I think this might be a problem. Do you know? <laughs> right. So they, I just thought it was, was amusing. Not a not a well-vetted idea, to be sure. Um, well, um, this this is not news as much as it's it's just kind of an awareness thing. I, um, I was I was reading a, an article in CNET about different uh, gaming documentaries. It's something that I've always been interested in. Like I, I, the gaming historian, I've always watched his stuff on YouTube. Would love to have had him on the show. I know he go when back when conventions were a thing and everyone didn't have on a mask and you didn't have to stay in your home. Uh, he would go to a lot of these gaming conventions, and so you you could actually go meet him. But he's a cool guy that that um, does a lot of really good content on YouTube about the history of gaming, different gaming peripherals and consoles and games. And there's a lot of interesting history there. So if you're interested in that, uh, on CNET they they have a list of some gaming documentaries. If you're just looking for content to stuff to watch, uh, and you you know want it to be in that area of gaming. Um, there are a few uh, that they have listed, and uh, the first one is Console Wars, uh, which is based on a book by Blake Harris. Uh, it was published in 2014, and it looks at the Sega Nintendo console war there and and the history of that. And, and uh, you know, there's if if you followed gaming and if you know much about uh, kind of the history of Nintendo and Sega and Nintendo and and uh, PlayStation even. Um, I'm not sure if you do you know much about that history with PlayStation and Nintendo like Nintendo and PlayStation were supposed to have a deal for a disk drive on the Nintendo and they didn't they they felt like it wasn't again I'm just I'm I'm simplifying the story but essentially uh, Nintendo didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal and broke off and eventually did a deal I think with Oh, one of the, like a Laserdisc, <laughs> another company, basically. And they did, uh, oh, man, what was, uh, it's where those three terrible, terrible Zelda games came from. Where they had this full motion video cutscene, uh, cartoon cutscenes, and the worst animation, and like, terrifying animation for Zelda. I mean, you are talking and, to the wrong person. Like Nintendo oh, I know, I know. by Felicia, not since <laughs> I was 16 years old. <laughs> right. No, no. But anyway, so Console Wars talks about that. Um, everything from bloody uh, the bloody censorship in, in uh, Mortal Kombat to how Sonic and, and Mario were pitted against one another. Um, 
and then uh, the other two, High Score and and uh, PlayStation Revolution, are kind of self-explanatory. With the PlayStation Revolution, it's just kind of the big history behind the 25 years of PlayStation and all of you know everything from uh, Metal Gear Solid and Hideo Kojima to you know the uh, just the innovations that that came about from that that uh, uh, that that console. But the one that I've actually watched is High Score, and High Score is on Netflix right now. Console Wars is going to be on CBS All Access, and uh, the um, PlayStation Revolution. Uh, it is. Uh, let's see where you can find it. Um, it's on streaming, and I guess you can get it on DVD as well. I don't. I don't. I haven't watched that one. Um, but what's cool about High Score is it kind of touches on all of these things. To a certain extent, so you can get the history, a little bit of the history of PlayStation. You can get the the idea of the console wars. But you also get the origin of role-playing games, where it actually came from. Everything from, uh, you know, the from Ultima to the text-based series to where they are now. Um, you get to kind of trace back uh, the origin of Nintendo. And a lot of the really big gaming um I guess history that that uh, that kind of spans all kind of gaming interests from role playing to console history to you know where we are now. So it's 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 a pretty good it's five episodes each one's an hour and uh, and it's it's just interesting. So if you're if you're looking for something to do in the quarantine and watch something that's gaming related, there's some documentaries out there. Uh, and and the one that I can vouch for is High Score. It's pretty good and uh, five five episodes long and. A lot of good information there. So I have it saved to my list. I saw that one. I thought, oh yeah, this is a bit of me. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. It's yeah, it's right up your alley. And the one about the role playing games was fascinating. Where it came from, uh, and the and the people that really start that innovated it, like in the late seventies, early eighties, and um, and and brought it to what it is today. But the ones the the I would call them the the mother and the father of of role-playing games you might be surprised so sounds fun I so like what, it yeah all right so really that brings us to our main topic and there was one other news story that i'm going to use to tie into the main topic and that is um oh let's i will see his name you're so sneaky you snuck in another news story i see how you well are. It is it is the main topic though, and I found it as I was uh, researching for the topic just now. I'll take um, it. It's the CEO. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, the CEO for Take Two uh, justifying the price hike to seventy dollars. Um, and so in the article, he goes on to you know to to basically explain that things haven't changed in ten years uh, and. There's a you know a, a production cost uh, that has gone up, up upwards of 200 300 percent with no frontline price increase for nearly I mean, 15 years. I mean, wait just a gosh darn minute! It, like I don't believe yes. this for one second. Well, we we will get to that, and so the, ultimately the 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 this episode is about the potential existential crises that will be. Uh, physical media in gaming and and the and the this move for to the to a completely digital 
uh, delivery system and how that's ultimately going to impact not only gamers and your experience, but the price of games, the way consoles work, the way, uh, you know, the, the ripple effect I think ultimately this is going to have uh, across. And, and I had this, <laughs> this vision today of, of how, how gaming is going to change. And I think it was just, I, th- I think it was because uh, I had seen one of the articles on the price point for the Xbox. And once I saw uh, what they were looking to do, the, the gaming cloud, we've already done episodes on the Stadia and, and some of these failed versions. But Nintendo, PlayStation, and, and Microsoft are all, they're figuring it out. They've got streaming services. It's 20 bucks for um, for Nintendo's online per year, 20 bucks per year, and you can stream any of those games that they have online for place for Super Nintendo and Nintendo. You can just play them at any point, and those are pretty easy to stream. Like there's no issue, there's no hiccups. You don't have to download them. You can just click it, boot it, and play. That's easy. The next step up though are these games from Game Pass and and uh, PlayStation and and trying to stream those. Now, I don't know that we're at a mass application of that, you know, across the board with people. I don't know that everybody has the internet connection to uh, support it. But it's a real thing with these consoles and and Xbox really pushing uh, the, the large hard drives, the ability to stream their games, to download and save your games uh, in a cloud. So that I can just transfer my game save even to another console. I don't even have to save it on my console. Oh, yeah. I mean, the cloud has been a function of Xbox consoles since the Xbox One. So I, I they definitely weren't going to retire that. But I think Game Pass is the big like mover and shaker here. And Right. So did you tell them what the main topic is? Well, yeah, ultimately. That, uh, that was kind of a, a long-winded version of the main topic. That uh, the, the crisis that is... That physical media is going away. I, I love I'm, that you say the crisis of it. What a weighted way to say it. You cheeky bugger. <laughs> well, I know we're going to have differing opinions on this right we now. Are. I, I are. have titled it the death of physical games media, which I, like I think it. is yeah. a little bit more balanced and nuanced. But you're over here well, QQing. So. You, come in, you come in with your own bias. Like you, you can see the death of physical media as a good thing as a positive thing and 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 you could be me who looks at it as someone who's clutching <laughs> to the old you're way. clutching your and pearls you're like how I dare am. you oh i think do of declare. the children think of the children well since i'm um, on the side of positivity in this topic shall i frame well, my about, position you should and and let's just let's have a a compliment compliment sandwich where you frame the positive i will definitely bring the negative hammer and then you can bring a positive spin to end it so that we can leave on a happy note i love it it sounds like a plan okay, <laughs> <Very good. laughs> okay well let me start off by saying i have been a digital native for years now i don't own a single copy of a video game a physical single copy i don't own one not one. Right. And I haven't for many years. So this will not impact my life, I think is like the first thing to say. If anything, okay. 
it will improve my quality of life because I was an early adopter. And the reason why I was an early adopter is, is threefold. One, over a decade ago, I decided that the cost of entry into video games was far too high for me. Someone who wants to play a large quantity of games and not necessarily finish each one of them. So I want to experience them, and if I don't like them, I want to bin them. And that really isn't a model conducive to paying full price. So over a decade ago, I started renting games to start with. Um, then I moved to England, so I had limited space. So having a huge video game collection stopped even being an option. Even if I had done it before, it wasn't going to be an option now. And then lastly, within the last few years, Game Pass has become an option where I've been able to transition away from renting physical discs to paying a monthly subscription to essentially do the same thing. Now, the downside of Game Pass, I don't have a whole lot of control over the catalog, and with my renting physical discs thing, it was all of the games that were possible and you just had to wait till it became available. So there's a slight downside there, of course. But... Right. I have moved away from conscious consumption to passive consumption. So essentially, there are very few games that I'm hyped about now. Only one of this upcoming generation that I would consider purchasing even near day one launch, which is Cyberpunk. The rest of them I don't care. I'll wait for them to come out when they come out. Right. Um, I will preface that by saying that I think Dragon Age is coming out in like 2021 or 2022. That is the only other game that I would probably buy. It has one. earned the right, in your opinion. Exactly. But that's been the case for years. I mean, the last day one game that I got was Andromeda. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. you know, I, I've sort of pushed away from the hype culture. And I think when you move away from the hype culture and you realize that you don't need things on day one, it will be just as fine and if not and sometimes better if you wait a little bit. Like I wish I had waited for Andromeda to get patched before I played it because that would have been more enjoyable. Um, who knew though? Yeah, you know? I mean, who knew? Who knew? Uh, but generally speaking, when I'm engaging with games now, they're in their best form because I'm engaging with them when they come on Game Pass, when they've been tried, tested, updated, whatever. So I had a pretty good experience with Fallout 76 which all early adopters had a generally bad experience with. Yeah. So and if you followed any of the any of the media on it you would have you might have been biased negatively towards it without even being able to help it, you know. Exactly. And so I think that this might actually help encourage people to do a little bit of cost-benefit analysis and maybe move away from purchasing so many games day one, which I think will actually help inform the game developers the type of games that we want to see and we're willing to support with our money. You know, like, if we're happy to wait for it to come out a couple months later on Game Pass, then obviously we weren't that excited about it. So <laughs> maybe that'll help them right. make more games that we want. And for me, the best thing of all is being able to queue up the download, go to sleep, wake up, play the game. Do you know, for me, that is right. super enjoyable. And especially in lockdown, when the queues for shops are super long, when you really are, you know, endangering your health to a certain degree, you know, depending on your personal beliefs, but my personal belief right. is the more times I get on public transport, the better chance I'm going to catch something nasty. So, you know, right. I actually, it's 
safer, cleaner, healthier for everyone, including myself, to just download the games digitally. So I think it's a it's a big opportunity. And if I had been able to afford one of the digital only consoles, uh, console versions, I probably would have gone that direction. It just it was never something that was you know within the time frame that I wanted to purchase it. That being said, I'm still probably going to get the full Xbox Series X, but that's only because of the native 4K. You know, like that's the only reason. There is nothing stopping me from buying a digital console. In fact, I was incredibly angry to find out that the Xbox specs are crap on the S versus the X because I was like sold, right. done. I'll buy that day one. And they've Xbox has never gotten my money day one. You know, it's right. always been I've yeah. always had to wait until Christmas, wait for a sale, wait for the next year, you know. Um, and I thought, okay, 249 pounds, which is what it is in the UK, that's day one money. Like, I can do that, absolutely. And then I looked at the specs, and I was like, why? Like, why? Yeah. You're taking away the secondary market of used game sales, yeah? So why can't I just have the same specs as the other one? I don't get it. Um, yeah. But overall... No, it doesn't. That part doesn't make sense. Yeah, overall, I'm not going to cry for the death of physical games. Look, they take up space. They, uh, they give companies that are fairly without a lot of redeeming qualities access to a secondary money you know you go in and trade in those games they give you like a buck for them like it's actually ridiculous and you see them put it on a shelf for like 10 pounds or something do you know what i mean right. or more ridiculous or more so it's like it's not even worth it whereas if you can just get game pass which is proving to be the superior subscription service of our time and a true netflix of games um, and, and I say that without reservation, I think they will eventually have a stable catalog of games that make it very close to a Netflix service. The new games they add on every month always have at least one or two desirable titles. I've never seen the list of games and been like, oh, there's nothing I would play in here. Um, and right. I think it opens you up to more discovery, uh, being able to try franchises that you wouldn't have been able to try before because the price point is too prohibitive. You know, spending 70 quid to take a chance on something like The Division 2 is not a mistake you want to make twice. But if it was, was on Game Pass... I going to do a simulated cat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, with Game Pass, you don't have to commit, and I like that. I've got limited amount of time. I have like maybe an hour or two or two a week to try new stuff. You know, if I'm going to make any progress on whatever game I'm playing regularly, you know, I've got I've got an hour, maximum two a week to try new things. You know, I'm trying to do a stream, things like that. You know, I love the ability to download a game, try it for 25 minutes. If I don't like it, delete it and feel zero buyer's remorse at all. Right. You know, and for me, that is like the number one positive thing, you know, is that if they keep improving the digital services and subscription, you know, subscription-based game delivery systems, I think there isn't any downside to it. Because then when you decide to invest in a game, even through microtransactions or whatever, like I'll happily buy the Sims expansion pack for the Star Wars game because I want to support that type of content. I want to send a message that that's the sort of stuff that I want to see. And I don't want to have to do it sight unseen. 
I think it's giving you an option to vote with your wallet after you've had a sample, so to speak, which I appreciate. Yeah. No, I can. I, I totally do see that. I think. Um, I think that would be the positive in my mind as well. This is. This is where I can be the Debbie Downer, <laughs> the Eeyore of this of the pair, and and just and kind of shed light on what I think is potentially a negative for this. So I am a fan of the physical medium. I like to have a tangible copy of the game in my hands. I really thoroughly enjoyed uh, going to GameStop and other places that would open up and sell games, um, you know, at midnight for the release. And you show up and get your pre-order and you meet in line with other people who have enjoyed the game. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I thought that was that was a that was a cool experience. It's definitely not a, worth necessarily uh, uh, keeping it alive, per se, that that alone. But that is something that I enjoyed. I, I liked having a hard copy of the game. One reason that was so um, just so helpful or or. Uh, desirable for me was because I could put the game in and immediately play it. Now, the last time I was able to actually do that on this generation of consoles was a game that was actually made on the PS3, but eventually didn't get actually released until the PS4, and that was um, The Last Guardian. The Last Guardian is the last game I was able to actually put a hard copy of the game into my console and boot it up and play immediately. Everything else has required a patch. So as soon as you put it in the console, if you're connected to the internet, it automatically asks for a patch. So in a way, even the physical medium isn't isn't uh, foolproof in providing your... I mean, if you bought a physical copy, copy of Andromeda and never updated it, you would just have nightmare fuel. I mean, the whole game is nightmare fuel, you know, if that were the case, because you would never have updated the the code and, and, and all of the updates that, that a Bioware eventually, you know, eventually applied. So, uh, I'm, I'm not helping my case is <laughs> so far. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced right now, <laughs> but, but, but having the, so having the hard copy in theory would enable you to be able to play your games no matter what for all time. But that's not so actually as as... true because wasn't there like a star Wars game? Or like something where the DRM license, they failed to pay it, so then nobody could play the game, physical copy or no? Oh, that may be true. Uh, I'm I, sure I it's swear true, that and I'm sure the Star the Wars game year. isn't the only one. I'm sure that's not the only one. Any of them that has that have the DRM would be that way. But if you were untethered to the internet and you just had your console and you wanted to play it, you would be able to do that. The only, I would think the only. Uh, comparable example would be digital games that I've downloaded and can play without the internet. So if you have a, a hard drive like a computer now, I mean essentially that's what we are creating is a is a a a more compact uh computer really with a bigger screen. You know, you you've got now a hard drive that we download our digital games to and it's pretty much essentially used for uh you know for entertainment purposes and that can be streaming other streaming services as well as games and that's what the consoles are becoming and and there's always been this competition between pcs and consoles and that bridge that gap is getting closer and closer in terms at least of the functionality uh i don't know that 
I think there will always be things that the PC does better. They can. They've stayed ahead from a technology perspective. But the consoles have a lot of advantages, and I think that's why they will always remain popular. I think it's because they're specialized. You know, I always feel like people, they don't give enough credit to specialized equipment. You know, like there's a reason why robotic surgeons can do specific things that assembly line robots don't do. You know, they're highly specialized equipment. And I think gaming consoles, they really don't get enough credit for the ergonomic comfort like for long play sessions, like the the usability and things like that. Sure, you might not be able to like execute macros and things like that, like what what you can do with a PC if you're playing like an MMO or things like that. But generally speaking, for all types of games, the console tends to operate extremely well for very long play sessions. Yeah. So wait, so you're saying so far your negative is that you won't be able to play the game in perpetuity unless you have a physical copy. Is that your is that your initial uh, with without without having the the without having it downloaded directly to a hard drive or a tangible copy, you won't be able to. Um although again it's not 100% foolproof. There are games that have DRM and that even with the hard copy, it's not going to be permitted. But uh, I think what it's going to do without having a, without having that kind of check against a company that they're going to give you, I, I've purchased this, uh, this game. And so I've got, I can play it anytime I want to, no matter what's happening. You know, it's a, it's a, it's mine essentially. Um, anytime that you go to boot up a game that you don't have that that uh, kind of accessibility to, whenever the company is done supporting that game, or if you ever delete that game and they no longer support it, that game is gone forever. So if you don't have that game, in terms of at least, uh, unless you want to pirate it at some point or, or whatever, that's your choice. But the, the fact that... that I don't really own it anymore. See, like I, I, I don't. I've never really owned it. Of people, like you know, you know, hit us up on Instagram if this is you. But I don't really go back and play old games. You know, like it's right. I'm a one-time, one-pass job done. The only exception is Dragon Age Origins, which I've I've played twice, and uh, Fable, like one <laughs> one or two of the Fables that I've played twice. But like other than that, because there's always something new, different, better, blah blah blah, and I have such limited time that I want to play right. the next best thing, not like look back into the past. And I imagine most people are actually like that. No, you're probably you are probably right, uh, and I think the on top of that too, though you will also, if you want to, again, this isn't necessarily a negative, just a, a statement of fact. If you are going to want a hard copy, I think it will actually open up uh, collector boutiques, uh, companies that will um, that will print discs specifically for you if you are somebody who wants that that enjoyment. You know, Daniel's somebody who really. Uh, spends a lot of money on hard copies of games. Can you imagine that you the can cost of hard copies once we're fully digital? My goodness, though. Oh no! I mean, it, even those, even these games that are twenty, thirty dollars digitally, are double that when you have to go through these companies because the company has to get the license to be able to print it, so on and so forth. But I think that's also a cost-cutting mechanism for these companies that are producing these games. They're not going to have to have that overhead now. It's just, it's literally just digital distribution that's got to be a huge 
cost cutting. The downside uh, is element. I think they'll actually use it in an opportunity to make more money off of us because Absolutely. secondhand sales, once they're gone, there's nothing to stop them keep creeping up the initial cost price to 80, 90. Do you know like there's nothing to stop them because Boom. there's no way for anyone to get it cheaper. Like that is the that's, cost. That's and ultimately that's my biggest my biggest fear, my biggest worry, the biggest downside to all of this and whatever the take two CEO is going to be able to do with these games, you know, justifying a $70 price tag. I'm not, I'm not necessarily even mad at a $70 price tag. If I feel like what I'm getting is worth the money, the way you make it worth the money is <laughs> some of the goodwill towards your, your, uh, the fans and the people who support it with their hard-earned money by DLC, give me the entire game. Don't make me pre-order a game to get all of the content to something that was already built into the game. If I buy the game, I should be able to unlock all of this stuff. And if it's a full-price game, give me all of the game. If there's, if you're going to charge me extra, but you're going to have downloadable content over the course, what that does is that keeps me engaged with your game for months. What's disingenuous about this is when you have a company that releases a game like that, and and then if you sign up for it on Xbox, you're going to get like a Batman game. If you sign up on Xbox, you get Catwoman. If you sign up on PlayStation, I get Robin. Yeah, no, I think and that's I messed up. Can't, well, the, and you and and I just think you can't do that anymore. And I think that's that's going to be something that will kill even the purchase of full price games anymore if they if they want to do that. And you and and. Other things that are potentially going to cause uh, issues, I think you'll see once it goes ex exclusively digital. I mean, how is piracy going to be affected of some of these games when now there is no... I mean, you could probably rip the games, put them on the internet, and people could do it before, but now it's all digital. There really isn't. There's We've skipped a step. So all I'm saying is I think that the potential downside and the potential upside there are there are both sides to this coin the downside could potentially be there's nothing to stop them now with no used games uh market anymore there's nothing to stop them for from uh from hiking up the price and also from partitioning out our games piecemeal and delivering us pieces of a game that's already completely developed or sending out something like uh uh, oh, what's the what's the Bioware game that that uh, was the Destiny clone that you liked, but it was kind of oh, limited. Anthem. Anthem, you know, shipping out a game and then giving you the content later. That is, they've already been doing that, and and that was with the digital media. There's nothing to stop them from from beginning to send out Fallout 70 versions of Fallout 76 and Anthem that are empty shells of games that they hope to put content into later. You know, but still going to charge you the full price, and then charge you for for uh, expansions to it. You know, so that's that's my big negatives to it. So, so what say you with a with a happy little uh, tree to to? <laughs> to well, look, I don't I don't think you're wrong about the retail price of games. I think with lack of competition in the market, that is going to be a huge factor, and it'd be stupid to like not deny it. However, if you're a convert to Game Pass and a patient human being, that probably wouldn't affect you too much because most of the games that you want seem like they're going to come on this service. So maybe it won't be that big of a concern in the long term maybe we just need to change the way that we buy games to like send a clear message i think for me the overall most positive thing is actually 
the um, economic, um, or sorry, the eco-friendly benefit of just making less wastage. You know, like right. we don't need to have plastic cases, like plasticky discs, loads of booklets, tiny figurines. Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, I think I, don't, I want the figurines. I know. I, well, listen, some people do, some people. <laughs> I just feel like it's better for the environment if we get as much content as we can digitally and start moving away from, you know, physical goods when they're not necessary. Um, I know that's not a popular stance, but if you think about like how many games I consume, which is six or seven a month, maybe more, you know, if I was buying all those games, like that's quite a bit of stuff that would end up in a landfill or end up in a reseller and then end up, end up in a landfill. Do you know, like it all ends up in a landfill one yeah. day. So I just think like the less that we can do of that, the like better for the planet. And at that point, I think that is a important factor that no one's like really thinking about is that, you know, even though it might be inconvenient, even though you might not own the game. Listen, read the EULAs. None of us own the game. None of us have owned right, the game right. since the early 2000s when Apple iTunes realized that they could put whatever they wanted in a EULA and people had to follow Nobody it. Nobody was going to. So, you know, right. we none of us own the games. We haven't owned the games for decades. I think we just need to maybe get rid of that notion and instead focus on being sustainable gamers. You know, showing the... The, the amount of data that the devs are going to have about our playing habits and things like that when it's all digital it's just going to be so much better and hopefully inform better game design you know they'll see that I'm somebody who gives a game 25 minutes if I don't like it I delete it you know maybe that will teach them something about the sort of things that I like and, and maybe games will be developed that I enjoy more I mean it's quite obvious when I like a game I spend like 8 days in it you know <laughs> So obviously <laughs> right. I do like investing time in games, but I'm really selective. So maybe that'll help. Like I think, you know, the time was always coming where we were going to have to pay a little bit more of games up front, you know, because we haven't been. I don't think it's now because microtransactions make them so, so, so much money that I think it's really disingenuous for them to say that they, they need more money up front because they really don't. They make plenty of money on microtransactions. Absolutely. But yeah. I do think with uh, increased regulation that's going to be happening in that sector, that they'll need to balance out that loss of profits which with an increased upfront price. And I'm hoping that if people see the prices getting too high for an upfront purchase, they sort of move to a passive consumption model where they wait for it to come onto a game streaming service. And I think that will be the most beneficial and eco-friendly way of consuming as many games as you want do you know you like you don't have to have right. it on day one like delayed gratification is actually okay do you know like you can do that <laughs> <laughs> and and hopefully it'll make the games industry better right no i i agree with I, I i ultimately i do agree with you and i think i have slowly reluctantly uh, come uh, come around to um appreciating the digital version of, of games and and the convenience factor of it to being able to download games when I want to um, and play them uh, when I want to even if I have to buy an external hard drive to make sure I've got all the games I want I think that my my final plea or <laughs> uh, my 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 uh, 
I guess my my last my last point really about why I think it's good to have the hard copies of games for prosperity really I think is is the ultimate reason and it's and it's really exclusively for people who collect I think games are a form are an art form in my opinion I think games are are an art form if you believe books are an art form I believe games are an art form and I think that they are such they are very unique form of art in that we have a level of agency it's one of the reasons why i love to choose your own adventure books in that i could pick my route through a story and because of that though and because of the work that goes into it the 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 stories and the narratives that are that they weave that uh and the experiences that and the opportunities for these kind of experiences that games present I think that they are a form of art, and I think having a hard copy for me, even if I never go back to it, the only games that I still have hard copies of, that I was able to buy a hard copy of, are games that I did not feel like I could trade in, even if I never, because I wanted to say, I wanted that on my shelf. It's like I finished that game, that is an excellent game. And I wanted something to be able to show like an appreciation even and, and to, if there was anybody that ever cared, I could be like, yeah, there's The Witcher 3. That is a fantastic yeah, game. That right there. I see what you're saying. I think that works to a point. But I'll remind you that if I didn't make gaming videos and save content with my guild, I'd have nothing left of City of Villains and City of Heroes because it shut. I owned right. a physical disc. It doesn't matter. Like, now that games are a service, right. and most games are a service these days, um, it there's nothing to hold on to in posterity. Like, once they shut it down, I think people need to stream more, catalog more, capture memories where they can. Because I can tell you, like, I only have three surviving videos from ten years, like, of early gaming. And... Um, or from several years, 10 years ago of early gaming. Right. And they're some of my most cherished gaming memories. And I'm glad that I have them captured because I can remember what it was like. But if I boot the, put the disc in, not a darn thing would happen. Do you know? I know. So, I know. And there will, be, there will be a time when World of Warcraft is that way. And, and all of these games that are games as a service. I don't necessarily, in fact, I firmly believe that change for the sake of change is not inherently good that just to change and the fact that games are going to that model of a service exclusively i don't think is inherently good um i don't know that it's bad either but i i don't know that we know yet and what i do know is that like you you were saying once games are gone games that are a service something that you enjoyed once they're no longer there to support it it's gone there is nothing left of it. And so it's not like a book that I have on my shelf or, or you know, a DVD even that I have, which I, I still collect DVD movies, but only or Blu-rays of movies that I want to have a hard copy of. And so uh, that I would like to go back and watch so I don't have to have 14 streaming services to try to find this movie. Um and so, anyway, all that all that to say is I think that there are positives and negatives. I have come around to the idea and supporting the digital because it is super convenient. Uh, and, you know, just to be able to um, download a game and not even leave your house, not have to worry about uh, getting in line or, or, or going to GameStop or anything like that. 
is is really nice, we are paying for that convenience. I don't know that it's justifiable in an upfront cost increase, but I think that's going to come as well. So, uh, but I think all in all, the death of the physical media isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there is going to be a ripple effect, and I don't know that we know what all of those effects are going to be yet. So, well. That wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or messages on Facebook or Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. And please head over to wherever you download your podcast and rate us, because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.